Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. Just like every Sunday, we're here today. Just like every time we gather together, we're here to know God and make him known. We want to be in ever-growing relationship with the God of creation who has saved us through our Lord Jesus Christ and make him known in our community and in our lives around us. So I encourage you, take this time for what it is, an opportunity for you to grow closer to God and be equipped to share his love with the world around us. And we've been talking these last few weeks about how to be a Christian. And, you know, we've got the banner and the signs and stuff. Today, our, our little emblem is a heart. Oh, how cute, huh? Oh, and, and so uh, we're, we're, we're going to review these things, though. So first, we, of course, have to ask the question, what is a Christian? And, you know, we've talked about the gospel. We've got these gospel cards up front, you know, and we, we know that God created us, and he created us for relationship and, and to obey him, to walk with him according to his standards. But all of us have rebelled. Like Adam and Eve, we've chosen our own way, sought after being our own gods, and in doing so, we've rebelled against him and earned earned uh, death and his wrath. That's what we deserve is eternal death and the wrath of God, completely counter to what he created us for, but it's what we deserve because of the choice that we've made to rebel against him. But he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, who lived a perfect and sinless life, the second person of the Trinity, fully God and fully man, who died on the cross as the sacrifice for your sin. When he died on that cross, it wasn't just some bloody group some death with no point. It was instead him giving his life in place of you. Completely human, able to pay in the right currency, completely God with an infinite resource to pay for sin. And when he died on the cross, he made it possible for everyone who would believe on him to have eternal life by having our sins forgiven and being brought back into right relationship with God the Father. But of course, Jesus, he did not just die on the cross and then get buried. He didn't stay dead. He rose again after three days to prove he really is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. And now it is up to each and every one of us as individuals to decide what will we do with this Jesus? How will we respond to our own sinfulness and separation from God? Will we stay in that sin and in that rebellion and choose our own way? And ultimately, when this life ends, enter into an eternity separated from God Or will we receive this free gift of grace that God has given us in his son, Jesus Christ, in which our sins can be forgiven. The wrath of God is absorbed on our behalf by his son, Jesus, and we are brought back into right relationship and promised not just life in heaven or on the new earth forevermore, but eternal life, meaningful life that starts today. And it's it's our job to decide. And once we've made that decision, we have chosen Jesus Christ, we have submitted ourselves to him. We have proclaimed him as our Lord and Savior and believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Then we are Christians. 
But now, what does that look like? What is this life like? Well, a Christian is not just somebody who believes in the cross and the, 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 the man who was God who died on it and rose again, but someone who has moved beyond just believing to turning their whole life over to Jesus as their master. A real Christian in the Bible, the word tells us, is a disciple who has completely submitted their whole life to Jesus. There isn't some, I get to believe and not go to hell, and then someday maybe I'll commit myself to being a follower of Jesus and, and, and really get serious. No, what the Bible tells us is there's just one status. You are either a disciple who is following after Jesus, or you are lost and chasing after your own ways. And so we want to be serious about what it is to follow after Jesus, to be a Christian. We want to, to learn from him. And, and every Christian should be learning from Jesus by reading his word and spending time with him. Every Christian should put Jesus first in all areas of our lives. Because whether or not we, we uh, submit to him as king, it doesn't matter because he is king. He is Lord. He is the ruler over all. And so as Christians recognizing who he is, we should be willing to submit every area of our lives to his rule and authority. The Christian is committed to a life of purity, taking steps to separate ourselves from sin. That we are daily making choices to reject our old way of life and chase after the righteousness that comes only in Christ Jesus. The Christian has a regular devotional time and is developing in their prayer life. Our devotional times is how we sit at the feet of Jesus and allow him to teach us new and exciting things about how to live this life. And in prayer life, we connect with the Father like Jesus himself did, spending daily time in prayer, quiet time that helps us to find the resources in spiritually to be able to make it through day by day. A Christian d demonstrates a desire to learn and apply the word of God as their primary authority for life and godliness. That a genuine Christian will look to, to this book, which is more than a book. It's a love letter from God that tells us how to live this life that he designed and created us for. And this is our authority for all things relating to life and godliness can't tell you how to change your oil but it can tell you the right kind of attitude that you need to have as you change your oil that'll keep you from sinning and falling short of the the uh, glory that god has given you in your life a christian has a heart for evangelism gives his testimony clearly and presents the gospel regularly with increasing skill this is not something that's optional in the christian life to share our faith it should be something that is a regular part of who we are as Christians. Last week we talked about how a Christian attends church regularly to worship God, to, uh, to have their spiritual needs met, and to make a contribution to the body of believers. And, and scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 25 that, that all of these things are critically important as we respond to the gift of life that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. And we are supposed to be so serious about gathering together that we do do not forsake it. But the harder life gets and the busier things are, and the, the more crazy the world gets, the more we should be meeting together and seeking to meet one another's needs and grow as believers. And then today, this next step, the heart. The Christian fellowships regularly with other believers, displaying love 
and unity. Now this word fellowship, we're going to get into it a little bit more, but the word fellowship, a lot of times we tend to think of fellowship as just hanging out with people we like. That, that it's just, we get to be together and we get a warm fuzzy and it was cool. And you can, you can fellowship in just, just about any way as long as you're not sinning or selling drugs or, you know, being crazy, right? And, and the thing is, is that's a nice view of fellowship. But the, the picture of fellowship that the Bible teaches is so much more than just hanging out together. Just being in the same room, just watching the same movie, sharing the same food, laughing at the same jokes. Genuine fellowship should be more than that. And so when we say that the Christian fellowships regularly with other believers, we mean more than just being in the same room. And so let's let's look a little bit about what God's word says. First, just a quick verse from 1 John 1.3. Here's what the apostle John says as he's introducing his letter to the church in Asia Minor, and he's trying to help them to understand why he's writing and and what his heart is in this. He begins by reminding them of the gospel and how he and the other apostles had actually seen and experienced Jesus face to face. And he says this, what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you. So this, this gospel that I got to live through, this good news of Jesus that I got to see face to face, I'm declaring it to you. And why am I declaring it to you? So that you may also have fellowship with us. So I don't think that the, the, the Apostle John is, is writing and saying, I'm telling you the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you can come to the next potluck. I mean, I like potlucks. They're cool, right? They can be a little sketchy sometimes if, you know, you're not certain what's in that crock pot. But, but he's not talking about the next meal we're going to have together. He's talking about something different. And how do we know that? Because he begins to describe it this way. He says, and indeed, our fellowship, the, the fellowship that I'm inviting you into is a fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so when when John is describing fellowship here, he is helping us to understand that the salvation that we've been given is to invite us into a unique and different relationship with others called fellowship. And fellowship is the what it is to have God dwelling within us and, and what it is that we experience with God the Father and God the Son and what God the Father and God the Son experience amongst themselves Theologians actually argue about the nature of the Trinity, trying to wrap our heads around how are two persons, the Father and the Son, and then, of course, the third person as well, the Holy Spirit, how are they one and how do they have fellowship? Man, it must be pretty amazing to be three different persons and yet be one in being. And and what's that fellowship like? It's got to be so intimate and so, so connected. And John is telling us that the fellowship that we've been invited into is the fellowship of the Father and the Son. And so this connectedness that we're to be pursuing in the gospel is akin to the connectedness of the three persons of the Trinity. And so we we see it's not just having potluck together. It is being one mind, being unified and having one heart as we pursue the things of God and salvation. And so as we look at this word fellowship, 
And this, this concept that we want to be pursuing as Christians, we need to understand it. Fellowship is not just about potlucks. It's not just about hanging out for a few minutes and saying nice things to each other. But it really hearkens to a deeper connectedness. It's the Greek word koinonia, and it can be used in any number of different areas of life. It can be talking about business partners. That, that when you are in a, in a business partnership with somebody, you are sharing your whole life. There is a deep intimacy to be in, in a business partnership. But it, it also can be talking about marriage. And the marriage relationship is this beautiful oneness when it is, is, is lived out according to biblical standards. There, there should be a, a uniting of husband and wife to where the two become one flesh, so unified, so intimate and common and, and sharing of life. And, and yet we treat fellowship in the church like it's just, well, we're in the same room and it was nice. But when the word means so much more, it comes from the word koinos, which means common or shared or public. And so what we really see, when we see the word fellowship in scripture, when we see that we're taught to be entering into fellowship with one another, this is a deep connectedness akin to the intimacy and oneness of marriage. Now, of course, I don't want you to to go to wrong places in the application of that, but I want you to understand that just as we would expect the barriers between a husband and a wife to break down and we share so much in this life, this is the same kind of connectedness that is available to us, the same kind of fellowship that is, is given to us if we will have it as brothers and sisters in Christ. Fellowshipping with one another as we fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so the picture of this that I really wanted to spend time focusing on. Yeah, we just got through the introduction, by the way. Uh, now we're going to go 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I encourage you, if you've got your Bible, to open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Or you can, of course, open the Bible app. I think I got all the notes and stuff in there for this Sunday. And, and you can follow along in the Bible app. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. And as a church, we've been through this whole book. Uh, it, it was a sermon series called Saints. So if you want to go back and dig through the website and find the Saints series, you can actually get a, a, a more in-depth sermon uh, on the, the context of this. Uh, actually, it's a whole bunch of sermons. It'd take you a couple weeks to get through it all, probably. But, but it, there, there's more to this uh, in the history and, and the context. But we really want to focus in, by the time we get to chapter 12 the apostle paul uh, inspired by the holy spirit is describing to the corinthian church what their times together should look like this church really struggled with with people doing their own thing going their own way that that communion was was a thing that some people came early and ate all the food and got drunk and then other people who couldn't get off work until later came and there was nothing left to share together in the love feast of communion they, they had folks that were pursuing their own sin desires to the detriment of the whole community and so Paul has already addressed all of these issues and now he's trying to describe to them what they should look like what their relationships to one another should be and he says this first Corinthians chapter 12 starting in verse 12 for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body though many are one body so also is Christ 
For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now... You are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Now, some of us, you've, you, you maybe have heard this passage, you've read this passage before. And, and so we, we, we're not going to like take forever, but we really do want to understand what this passage is teaching us about who we are as Christians together. And, and so Paul is, is establishing this, this metaphor Actually, I guess it's a simile, right? Because he uses like or as. So it's a simile. Uh, if, you were, if you were judging me there in that moment, forgive me. I got it wrong. It's a simile, not a metaphor, because he uses like or as. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. And when he is talking of Christ, he is not talking of the man. He is talking of Christ as representative of the whole church that he has called together as his own. And so when we look at our body, he says that just like our body is lots of different parts all working together in unity, different but one, so is the church. And and the church is going to be full of all kinds of different body parts. But some things we need to understand about the church is that we were all baptized by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, into one body. We have all had the same salvation experience and received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, proclaimed him and believed in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And then we are filled with the spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit in that moment and given gifts and called into a local fellowship. And when you get to the local fellowship that God has established for you, and and how do we find that? Well, we kind of visit around in today's day and age. And in this day and age, it would have been you just went to the one church that was there at somebody's house, the one that was closest to you, and that's where God called you because that's the church you got. Today, we get to shop around a little bit, and when we decide this is where I need to be, this is the church where I like, we need to realize that we are baptized together, we have a same salvation experience, and we were brought to this place to belong to one another. And it doesn't matter our background, uh, whether Jews or Greeks. Now, you might go, well, I'm not Jewish and I'm not Greek. I don't like, I don't like uh, matzo balls and I don't like gyros. I, I was always told it was gyros where I grew up, but gyros around here, 
it's confusing, but it's okay, right? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if it's pierogies and ravioli, right? What we're talking about, no matter your background, you were called to this one body. You were called to belong here. Now, actually, those two distinctions, Jews or Greeks, in Paul's mind as he writes this letter would have been, it doesn't matter where in the world you're from, because he was seeing Jews as God's chosen people and Greeks as anybody who's not a Jew. And then he says, whether slaves or free. Now, who is either, uh, is there anybody outside of either slave or free? No, it doesn't matter your, your social status. It doesn't matter your ethnic background. Everybody We were all given one spirit to drink, baptized by one spirit, called together into the singular body of Christ to be one. And we're called together because we have a shared faith. We have this one baptism, this this one faith that draws us together and makes us united as a fellowship in the body of Christ. And we're called together to participate in shared works to be able to join together your strengths with mine and you compensate for my weaknesses and and I compensate for yours and together we accomplish things for the sake of the kingdom of God that we could not do on our own. But it requires shared lives because if all of us as individual body parts refuse to genuinely cooperate and belong to one another, we will not have genuine fellowship and we will not accomplish the things that we were called to. A couple other passages, if you were wanting to, to see this a, a little bit more, Philippians 2, 1 through 2, and Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, give more uh, explanation and, and, and give other places where it talks about this oneness, this sharing, this unity that we're supposed to partake of. So we're supposed to be one body, a bunch of different parts called together to belong to one another. All of us are different and unique. It's not a, 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 a we become cookie cutter Christians or, or robots, but instead it is who you are and, and the gifts that you have and the personality that you have that God has specifically chosen to redeem through the blood of Jesus Christ and call into a specific local fellowship so that you can be the most redeemed you possible serving alongside other redeemed people glorifying God but there are dangers to this fellowship that he has called us to so verse 14 of of chapter 12 tells us this indeed the body is not one part but many and so there's this there's this this clear understanding as though though we're all one body we are many parts And the problem with having many parts is that parts don't always get along. And and while we're called to be unified, while we're called to, to fellowship and share life together, we end up living out some different dangers to fellowship. You see, Paul begins to address some of those dangers. And in verse 15, after reminding us that we are not not one part but many, the danger is, is that sometimes the parts refuse to get along. So a danger to fellowship. Number one, verses 15 and 16 says this. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is uh, not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. 
the first thing that you're going to encounter as a Christian trying to fit into a fellowship, trying to connect your life to other believers, is you're going to realize that we're not all the same. And, and that, that may surprise you. But you're going you're gonna to find out that we are all distinct and unique and have different functions within this body. Now, some of you are like, but if everybody was as godly as me, this place would be perfect. And let me tell you, if we had a church full of, 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 of me, first of all, there wouldn't be a church. It would be a, a hundred different Bible studies because we would not get along if everybody was me. We would not get along if everybody was you. We would, we would actually probably accomplish far less if we were all exactly the same. But what we tend to do is because we struggle with connecting with people and we, we, we struggle with overcoming our differences, we say, well, listen, I, I'm, I'm a foot, but I'm not a hand and I wanted to be a hand. So maybe I just don't even need to be here anymore. Or, or you're an ear and well, I'm not an eye. My job's not important. Nobody appreciates me. I'm going to separate myself from the body and I'm going to go out and I'm going to do things on my own. I'm going to live this Christian life my way. And, and as I was thinking, I, you know, I, all I can think is this is just like a lone finger Christian, lone ranger. I'm, I was trying, man. You know, just you, in preaching, you try and think of quippy things, and it doesn't always hit, right? But, but a lone finger Christian, are you a lone finger Christian? Are, are you somebody you refuse to connect because you don't get to do things your way, or the church isn't what you want it to be, or belonging isn't what you want it to be? I, I want to stand up front and, and be in charge. Look, first of all, it's not what it's cracked up to be. And second of all, if you are not made that, that's not the part that you are. Instead of, first of all, you'll be miserable trying to do something you're not made for. And second of all, you were made for something else that we need you to do. And if you say, because I'm not that, I don't want to be anything. And you withdraw and you, you start practicing lone finger Christianity. You deprive the body of who you are and the gifts that you have. You lessen the church of Jesus Christ by withdrawing and trying to be a lone finger. And, and, and so this is the first danger to fellowship that the apostle points out. And, and he really wants us to understand we're called into a place where we're all different. And you might feel like your calling or your place or your position in the fellowship isn't as important as somebody else's. Or maybe you don't like the way that you fit in. And, and it's time to realize you're here for a reason. God has shaped you to be who you are. And, and, and find the way that you add to the body and add to unity instead of excluding yourself because it's not exactly what you expected or hoped for. Stop being... A lone finger. Second danger to fellowship is this. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. <coughs> Excuse me. 
excuse me. I just did a drink to my wife. That wasn't as subtle as I thought it would be, especially since I coughed afterwards. Fighting a cold, throat's drying out. I'm to the point where I might start sounding like this if I'm not careful. So, uh, so where was I? Um, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? If we were all eyeballs, what kind of body do we have? One that's ineffective? Well, I can see well, but yeah. <laughs> so, so we can see everything, but we can accomplish nothing. What's interesting in the American church is we like to divide ourselves up into churches according to specific body parts. We like to divide ourselves up with people who are like us, people who are easy to get along with, people who are the same age, people who are the same socioeconomic status, people who are the same ethnicity. We would divide up the body of Christ according to our own standards of identification because it's what's most comfortable for us. We would, we would, if we had our way, we would continue to create churches full of just eyeballs or, or, or ears. Why? Because the ears really like each other. You know, they, they love to hang out. Just they're on the side of everything. And, 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 and we, would, we would create churches that are just like us. And, and some of you might be looking at churches and saying, okay, where do I belong? And if you're looking at a church where everybody is just like you, there is a very good chance that you will not mature and nor will you be able to live out the giftings that you've been given. Because if everybody's just like you, you're just hanging out with eyeballs, just hanging out with ears, and that body is lacking. We like to divide ourselves up. We like to divide ourselves up by age. We like to shuffle the kids off. Why? Because they're maybe a little noisy and squirmy. We like to say, well, well, children's church, that's where, they're, well, they're where they will learn more. And I'd like to say, children's church is fine, but it is not a way in which we preserve and encourage and build up the unity in the body of Christ. Why, why do we have kids in our service? Uh, first of all, because William's cute. And it just reminds me as I look out over some of your faces that there is still hope in the world. Um, <laughs> It was a bad joke. I'm sorry. And, and he behaves. Sometimes better than Nanette. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so there'll be another special called business meeting about my behavior in two weeks. Uh, but but do you, we, we, we don't... The, the body of Christ is not meant to be divided up, minced up, and people sent into different rooms. Nor is it meant to be divided up according to, to parts and, and warehoused over here. All the eyeballs over here, all the ears over here, all the noses over here. No, we are meant to be different and even find it difficult to live with one another from time to time. Because it is only in our differences and our different strengths and weaknesses coming together as the body of Christ that we become all that we're supposed to be as a church. 
And we want the kids in here to learn what it is to worship in word and song. We want one another here to learn what it is to fellowship, to have real intimate lives. We want you in small groups, Sunday school or midweek, to be able to share what's really troubling you instead of this superficial kind of fellowship that happens when we just walk in the door, sing a couple songs, and walk out the door. And so we're called to be united and and stop warehousing different people into different areas of the church. We're not supposed to be collecting body parts because that's what makes us happy or what, what pleases us the most or where we feel most comfortable. But instead, we should be looking at the body and saying, I'm here and I'm an ear and there may only be one other person like me, but I know I have a place. And I know that God has brought me here to serve and to belong. As it is, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. Many parts, but one body. Look at your own body. As, as, as Paul is using this simile, he wants us to look at our own bodies and realize we can feel when something is wrong on, on one part of our body, the whole body suffers. If you lose a part of your body, the whole body has to shift and change and compensate. And parts that were never meant to do the job that they're doing have to do different jobs. The next danger to fellowship that the Apostle Paul addresses is this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that are, uh, we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our uh, unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts, they simply don't need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body but that the members would have the same concern for each other so if one member suffers all the members suffer with it if one member is honored all the members rejoice with it this next thing that we we tend to do that causes a a lack of fellowship or a danger to fellowship is that we reject or forget certain body parts those of us who are prominent, those of us who are you know, fulfilling the big jobs, maybe we need to slow down and pay attention to the folks that we've been given who are maybe the more difficult people, the more difficult parts. And if you're a difficult person, we love you. And you're, if you don't know if you're the difficult person, you are. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's, that's a hard thing to say, though. That, but we look around the room and we, we find certain people in the room difficult to be around. And it's not the same for all of us, is it? Uh, we all have different lists about somebody here at church that we maybe struggle to, to, to include them, struggle to see them being part of who we are, struggle to see how do they fit in. And it's our job to be drawing one another into deeper fellowship as often as we can. It's our job to find the, the more difficult to connect with body parts and to bring them into the, the, the inner circle, to bring them into the places where they belong and to celebrate them. Because you 
are the body of Christ. And individually, you're members of it. Church, you, we, we are the body of Christ. And we're individual members of it. And we're called to be together in unity and oneness and mutual care for one another and strengthening one another that the mission that we've been given to reach the world with the good news of the gospel might be achieved. But instead, too often, we come in, we fellowship, we talk about the Steelers, about work, about our cars or our homes or the dog and then we leave yeah sometimes the kids but we come and we talk about things that are important ish but not kingdom important and we don't share real life how many of us are really willing to share the things that hurt us the things that we're afraid of this week anybody had a sleepless night just because of what's going on over in the middle east you know, but we don't share those things, do we? No, we put on smiles, we come together, we, we fellowship. Look, the challenge is for me and, and you both that we're called to be a body intimately united and unified in purpose and love for one another. Not just people who sit in the same room for an hour, hour and a half once a week. Now, I do want to warn you about some, some inappropriate fellowship as well. There were dangers to fellowship that we would, we would be lone finger Christians, that we would be siloing Christians or we'd collect ourselves into, into cliques. There's the danger of, of uh, excluding those who are different from us, even though we know they're part of the body. But then there is this inappropriate fellowship, this pseudo fellowship that we can replace genuine fellowship with if we're not careful. In 1 Timothy 5.22, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, don't be too quick to appoint anyone as an elder and don't share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. It is very easy to forego the fellowship of the body of Christ and instead fill our need for connectedness with people doing things that a Christian ought not do. And, and what is sad is that will actually satisfy our need for belonging that the church should be fulfilling. And, and I, I don't care where you're at. You can think that all of your best friends are some other place in some other time zone on social media. And they give your life purpose and meaning as you watch their 20-second videos on TikTok. And I'm going to tell you, that's false fellowship. And it is filling up your life with garbage instead of giving you the time and the space and the ability to come together with other believers and find genuine fellowship. Don't share in the sins of others. Ephesians 5.11, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness but instead expose them. Don't participate. Don't seek after false fellowship. It will fill you up. It will make you feel like you belong. And then it will tear you down and destroy your life. I, I've seen some, some posts on social media. And just so you know, I'm on social media too. I'm not saying stay off the internet. It's hard these days, right? 
But you see a post on social media, and you, you might see one, and, and it's, it goes something like this, that there's a person, that they're in church, and their phone rings during the service, and everybody gives them dirty looks and harasses them about their phone ringing during the service, and, and then they leave discouraged. But they go to the local bar, and they walk in, and they get their normal seat, and everybody knows their name, and everybody welcomes them, and everybody accepts them for who they are. How come the bar is so much better than the church? And I'm going to tell you, it's because that person doesn't want real fellowship They don't really want to be known. They want to be around people who will help them cover up their hurts, hide their lies, and pretend to be someone they're not. But the church calls us together to be who we really are in Christ, to expose our struggles and our strengths to one another, that we might grow together and build the kingdom of God together, knowing him and making him known. Why is the bar so appealing for that person? Because they don't really want to be confronted with who they are and their struggles. Instead, they just want people to tell them everything's okay. They get filled up with junk food fellowship instead of experiencing real life and real fellowship with other believers. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through the first part of verse 16 says this. Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. Now, a lot of us, we would use this and we would apply it to a marriage or a dating relationship. We would tell our kids or or people we know and love, don't date an unbeliever. Don't even think about being married to an unbeliever because scripture tells us don't be unequally yoked. And that is true. But in the context, this passage, it's not about marriage. It's about all of our relationships. Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. And what does it mean to be yoked together? It means to be unified. It means to be of one mind and one intent, one purpose in pursuing things together. And and the difference between being friends with someone who doesn't believe and being yoked with them is different. You can be friends, and in fact, you should be friends with unbelievers. It's how you bring the gospel to them. You show them love. You build friendships. You connect with them in meaningful ways. But others of us, we fall prey to the lie that friendship means we have to be like them. And we yoke ourselves to them, and we allow ourselves to participate in the fruitless deeds of darkness. Why do we do it? Let's be honest, it feels good, doesn't it? It's good to be accepted. It's good to be loved. It's good to be connected. We'll do it on the internet. We'll do it through shows. We'll do it with with people that we know. Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial, which is a, a Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. We are built and saved and chosen to be united, not with the world and the, the dark deeds of unbelievers, but instead with one another. In the goodness of God. 
He goes on to say this, I, I will dwell and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. We are supposed to separate ourselves and not fall prey to the false fellowship of relationships outside of the church that will fill us up and steal our time and lead us astray. But instead, we're supposed to be turning to God and his people in which we will find him dwelling amongst us, being our God and we his people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Stop fellowshipping out there and come and be separated into the, the people, the holy people of God says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing and I will welcome you. And here's the cool thing. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You see, we want, we want to pursue this inappropriate or this false fellowship. It's where, where our culture says we can belong, where everybody will love us. And it doesn't matter if it's at the bar, at, at uh, you know, a, a game of magic, the gathering, or D&D. It, it doesn't matter if it's you know, you know, online in your favorite chat room or, or a thread or group. It, all of those things, when we pursue those and they become the, the central relationships of our life, they lead us away from true fellowship. It's time to be separate, to choose to be different and to come together as the people of God and to call out to him and allow him to dwell amongst us and he will be our father and we will be brothers and sisters together, unified in purpose and fellowship. This inappropriate fellowship, it's the junk food of fellowship. And and we all know what junk food does to us, right? If you eat junk food all the time, It destroys you and it keeps you from consuming what's best for you. Inappropriate fellowship is the junk food of fellowship. It replaces true fellowship and only ends up causing harm in the life of a believer. Now, once again, I want to be clear the distinction between fellowshipping with unbelievers and being friends with them. Fellowshipping is uniting ourselves together in one purpose and mind with people who are not Christ-like and becoming like them and allowing it to distract us and destroy us. But we should be their friends. We should love them. We should welcome them into our homes. We should invite them into our life and say, come out of the darkness and join me in the light. Not walking into the darkness with them and becoming like them. Because that's junk fellowship. Those are relationships that will only consume your time keep you from the body of Christ and ultimately destroy you. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Out of 1 Corinthians 12, first, Paul gives a, a list of all the spiritual gifts, the different ways in which we belong to the body. And then he goes into how this all works together, 1 Corinthians 13. And we're not going to go through the whole chapter, but just a quick overview is most of us know if we look over, you flip over to 1 Corinthians 13, what is this chapter all about? Love. And when do we usually read this chapter? At a wedding. This chapter is not about marriage. It's about church life. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not self-seeking. It's not proud. It doesn't, it doesn't envy. It, love is central to fellowship. And that's really what, what the apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, all the things I told you about being unified in chapter 12, 
The way you do that is you learn how to love one another. And what is love? It is seeking the good of someone above my own. It is caring for someone as much as I care for myself and even more. What is love? For God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. The love that we are called to for one another is modeled to us in the very Savior who came to live and die for us. Self-sacrificial love. In fact, Jesus himself says this, I give you a new command, love one another. Belonging together as a, as a body, being in genuine fellowship, it requires we love one another. Just as I have loved you. When Jesus says that, he, he's saying, with the same measure and means that I have loved you, I want you to love one another. Jesus, Philippians chapter 2 tells us, gave up all the rights and privileges of heaven and glory in order to come down and put on the body of a suffering servant and die on a cross for you and I out of love. The same way he loved us, he calls us to love one another, willing to give up, willing to sacrifice, willing to die. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You wear those cool little crosses around your neck. No. You, you carry a Bible and you like to hit people with it. No. You vote Republican or Democrat. No. In the local fellowship amongst the brothers and sisters, people will know that you are my disciples when you genuinely love one another like I've loved you. The Christian fellowships regularly with other believers, displaying love and unity. And fellowship is all about a shared faith, shared works, shared lives. And so the challenge for us this week is to make fellowship a reality, to make fellowship a reality. How are we going to do that? Number one, recognize your dependence upon the body and their dependence upon you, and then act accordingly. You need the church and the church needs you. How does knowing that change how you treat us and, and, and ask us to treat you? Because if you know that we need you, it's not just that we need you for the nursery, which by the way, we still need some nursery workers from time to time. If you're interested, see Shelly. It's not just that we need you in the nursery. It's that we need you and what you have to offer to us relationally. And you may not feel that. You may not think that everybody treats you that way. But the truth is, is we do. And sometimes we don't even know how much we need you. And you maybe don't understand how much you need us. We need one another. And if that's true, change the way you behave. Stop treating the fellowship of the believers as an optional thing. Stop segregating yourself into clusters of eyeballs and ear holes. Stop looking down on others in the fellowship because they're not like you. And instead, love and belong. Next thing, genuinely share your lives and meet one another's needs. This is, this is probably like three sermons in just this one statement. But today, we're just gonna leave it with the statement and, and, and a quick, here's what that means genuinely share your lives and meet one another's needs. 
Stop being superficial. Stop being selfish. Stop thinking that your sin doesn't hurt all of us. Stop keeping yourself from the body and give of yourself freely. Be willing to genuinely hear one another's hurts and pains. I'm here for all of you as pastor, and it's a privilege. But I can't meet, I can't meet the needs of my own family some days, emotionally and spiritually. And that's why we all need one another. And we all need to look to more than just me to have our needs met, but the whole body. Genuinely share your lives and meet one another's needs. Eliminate the dangers to fellowship. The, uh, the lone Christian mindset, I don't need the body, I'm good. The body part clicks where you want everybody to look like you, sound like you, dress like you, be the same age as you, be in the same place in life as you, worship the same way as you. Stop it with the clicks, folks. Come belong wholeheartedly to one another. And then the, the neglect of the other, the person that you don't really feel like you connect with, it's okay to leave them off to the side. That's not true. That's the body part you should be working even harder to connect with and try and help them belong. And then lastly, eliminate inappropriate fellowship in your life. If you are filling your calendar up with social events and sports and everything else, thinking that's where you belong to the neglect of the body of Christ, you are making a mistake as a Christian. And I, it's really hard not to rail against, especially kids' sports as a pastor. It gets really frustrating. And I know that, that sports are an important part of our lives. But it's not just kids' sports, is it? It's all kinds of things that we'll find excuses about why we don't need to be part of the body this week. Stop it. Stop filling your life up with things that will only lead you to destruction and disappointment. And instead, be faithful to the body and genuine fellowship. So today, as we, as we wrap up, as we, we see the, these challenges, these things that, that we can do to genuinely fellowship for one, uh, with one another, and really this is just the beginning. Fellowship is something that starts one day and continues a lifetime together. I want to encourage you to consider what you might need to do or choose. You know, if, if it's, am I, do I belong here? Well, if you belong here, it's time to really belong here and give of yourself fully. If you're not sure where you belong, find the church where you belong that God has shaped you to be in and belong there wholeheartedly. Understand, I don't want anybody to leave. And those of you who are with us today, I would love for you to stay. But I don't want you here if this isn't the right body for you. Stop pretending and go find the place where you really belong for your sake and ours. Those are some choices for us to make. Are you, do you belong? Belong wholeheartedly. If you don't belong, find where you belong and belong wholeheartedly. Because we were made to be together in fellowship as the body of Christ, whether here or at another local body that faithfully preaches God's word and lives by his standards. So let's, uh, the worship team was supposed to come, but they missed my cue. They, they, they tried, but then I kept talking. I know. And those of you who've been here long enough, you're not surprised. Let's close our time together with a word of prayer. Head bowed, eyes closed.
And I don't, I don't, I don't do come forward invitations, but I do want you to just spend a moment before the music really starts playing and we sing the last song. I want you to deal with, with what God has spoken to you, if anything, today. What, what has God told you to do in regard to the fellowship of the local body? Has he called you to belong wholeheartedly? Has he, has he told you this isn't the body for you? Go find the right body and here it is. Some of you, you, you declare this is the body that I belong to and yet you've been holding yourself back. You've been keeping yourself from us. Talk to God about that and see what he would have to say in light of what you've heard today from his word. But really spend some time before we start to sing in prayer, in contemplation, and offer up to God whatever prayer you need to, whether it's repentance or one for comfort and strength to do what you know to be right. Spend some moments with your Savior who's called you to be part of his body before we start to sing. know that you saved us for a reason to be part of your body to be part of a fellowship where lives are shared where we care for one another and we're unified in purpose and service to one another and to the world around us we know that's true your word states it so clearly and today we pray that you would Help us to wrestle with our engagement with that truth. If we've been excluding ourselves from the body or participating in cliquish behavior or overlooking others, help us to eliminate those dangers to fellowship and instead genuinely belong and give of ourselves to realize we may not all be eyeballs, but all of us are critical to the life of this body. And if today we're filling our lives up with false fellowship, we're finding our meaning everywhere but where you've called us to be, would you give us clear thoughts and understanding about how we need to change and take steps to make fellowship with believers a priority again in our lives? Father, we thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That this word doesn't come to us and tell us we're terrible, horrible, dirty, rotten people. But instead it comes to us and says, I have so much more for you. If you'll only belong like I designed you to. Like I saved you to. Lord, may we recognize the treasure that is ours hidden in the lives of other believers. And may we pursue it wholeheartedly in love and unity. And as we fellowship together, 
we get to participate in the fellowship that you, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have with one another and have with us. And over time, as we unite in oneness, we'll find we're engaged in a great dance of fellowship with one another and with you, one that will bring great joy, meet our needs, and give our life greater purpose and meaning. Continue to speak to us about where we belong and how in the coming days, Lord Jesus. In your name, we pray, thankful that we're part of your body.